Hello, everybody. My name is Brittany Chalk, and you're listening to A Dancer's Guide. Well, welcome back to the A Dancer's Guide podcast. This episode is sure to hit home for a lot of performers as we discuss taking our final bows and transitioning away from performing. If you're like me, the thought of your last professional performance brings tears to your eyes. But we're here today to offer support through this emotionally challenging milestone, as well as give you some tools and resources to help you take the next step on your life journey. I'm joined today by someone who has discovered success beyond her dance career as a freelance writer, and now has founded an online platform called Pivot for Dancers to help them do just that, pivot into new and fulfilling careers. So without further ado, I am delighted to introduce Kaylee Randall. Hi, Kaylee. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, Um, so I'm Kaylee. I'm originally from the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area, so like South Florida. Mm -hmm. I actually live in Australia now, which is pretty (laughs) pretty far. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I live in Brisbane now with my partner. And as you said, I'm a freelance writer, so I work from home. It's pretty sweet most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So before all that, I was a professional dancer. I did the theme parks in Orlando, most of them. I went onto cruise ships after that. And then I was briefly in Vegas just for a little stint. Um, Yeah. And now I'm in Australia. Amazing. Well, obviously, you just mentioned a little bit of your journey, but can you elaborate on your unique dance journey for us? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, it's d- definitely unique. I think I think that's a great thing that you bring in is that all of our dance journeys are so unique. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about mine is that I never planned to be a professional dancer. Like it was oh, really? never on the, yeah. So I don't really know why. Like when I look back on it, <laughs> I just wasn't the type of dancer that was like, yep, I'm going to move to LA or move to New York. I'm going to do the thing. Like I don't know if it's because like at my studio, there were a lot of good girls and like I was in the group, you know, like it was never this weird competitive thing, at least between me, like there was definitely studio things. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like, maybe it's because they were so gung ho that I was maybe like, it's not for me, like, I'm just gonna chill. But I think it's my personality too. Like, I'm not I'm like pretty chill. Like, I think most people that know me. Um, are like, yeah, I just kind of go with the flow. And I was interested in other things as well. So that's, I think, the first thing that's kind of interesting. I actually went after high school, I went to the University of Central Florida. Mm-hmm. I started as a psychology major, actually. <laughs> um, and then I, I guess, pivoted into advertising and PR. So I kind of, I knew I didn't want to be a counselor or anything. Mm. So I kind of wanted to use psychology in a more practical way. So I went into advertising and that was great. But I also had a psych minor and at UCF they have a dance minor. So I did the dance minor and I was still dancing all the time. Like most of my friends were dancers and I was doing the dance concerts and stuff. So it felt like I was well and truly still part of the dance community in college, even though I wasn't majoring in dance. Mm. Yeah. So then while I was at UCF, UCF's in Orlando, Florida, for anyone that doesn't know. And of course, that's like theme park mecca of the world. Yep. (laughs) So I had a few like random retail jobs and stuff. But 
one of my friends, she was, this is another kind of unique thing about my dance journey is that my first professional job was actually as a character performer. So I wasn't actually, I didn't start as a dancer. I started at SeaWorld in their Sesame Street shows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was doing like the Cookie Monster vibe. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of dancers if they've done that kind of thing are like potentially embarrassed about that or something, or there's this weird stigma that, um, and I know so many amazing dancers who just happen to be five foot one instead of five foot seven. Right. Yeah. Do you know, like, yes. especially at theme parks. So it's like, right. It's just cause like the costumes are like tiny. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, if you're five foot and you fit into, you know, an Elmo costume, then that's where they're going to put you. Um, I learned so, so much at that job. That was my first Mm. job. I learned about puppeteering and stuff and how to express myself without my face. That, I think, really informed my dancing as well. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I did that for two seasons. Overlapping on top of that, I then got my first professional dance job, like as a regular dancer um, at Universal. And I was in the Superstar Parade, which was new at the time. That was 2012. It's crazy that it's been such a long time. (laughs) Even saying that, I'm like, wow, okay, 2012, it's nuts. So that was the Superstar Parade. I was a candy dancer. Um, And I did that. I ended up doing that for four years. But I started as a sub, just doing it seasonally while I was in college this whole time. I worked my way up that rank. And by the end of it, I was like dance captain full time. So that was cool. That was like a really linear progression, you could say. Yeah. In the meantime, I was working at a dinner show, so a dinner theater where I was serving and dancing at the same time. Pretty tough job, but really fun. (laughs) And I was also commuting over to Tampa, which is about an hour and a half commute to do a few different shows over there. I think Bush Gardens just has amazing shows. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I always wanted to do their shows like when I was at Universal and stuff Universal has great shows too but they don't have that many stages anymore right like there's mostly street shows so even if you're doing you know Bobatons or really any of the roles in the Superstar Parade which is what they had even a lot of the singer shows were on the street the Marilyn Monroe show that I ended up doing later on was on the street those are fine the guests love them but it's like it's nice to be on a stage and Bush had that so I've made the commute I did um, Motor City Groove. I did Fiends, which is their Halloween show. Same. Yeah. (laughs) And then I did Kinetics, which is their summer show. I love Kinetics. Honestly, like that show, I saw that show and I was like, I want to work at Bush. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Like still to this day, it's like way up there. Anybody who's done any Kinetics show will say top three, maybe like Mm -hmm. top of the top. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was willing to drive an hour and a half each way to do that show. Absolutely. So that's kind of my Central Florida journey. And in that time, I graduated from college. Then in September 2016, I got my first cruise ship contract, and that was with Royal Caribbean. So I did Adventure of the Seas. And, you know, that was a whole new thing for me as well. Did a ballroom show on there, which was really challenging and fun. And um yeah, three different shows on that ship. I actually did that ship twice. So I did it once as a normal contract. And then I did the replacement contract. Like, I think it was literally two weeks after I signed off. Like it was oh, not wow. enough of a break. Yeah, no. <laughs> like in hindsight, I'm like, that was not enough. But in the meantime, I guess I should backtrack in 
say that I met my partner who I'm with now and the reason that I live in Australia really is yeah so I met him on the first contract and we were just friends but then he so he's a drummer and then he was doing the MD contract the next time and I just happened to get the replacement and on that second contract was when we became a thing whatever you want to call it (laughs) so that ended up being good yeah so I did to Adventure of the Seas. <laughs> then I came home to Florida in January 2018. And then at this point, I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? Because at this point, it's like I was in a relationship with someone who lived in Australia. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, is that going to work? Maybe, maybe not. Like, do I choose my career over going for this other important thing? Do I? And so that's when all the kind of the things we're going to get into in this podcast start to kind of come to the surface. So he ended up, he already had a contract on Quantum of the Seas, um, which was good for him because the drummer has a feature on that ship. That was good for his career. And so there was a new cast coming on like midway between his contract. So I tried to get into that cast, but I didn't get it (laughs) just for whatever reason. They did offer me another ship, but we talked about it and it's like, it's just going to get too hard to get on the same timeline then, you know? Yeah. yeah. James and I were on different ships at one point and we were, I think, 13 and a half hour time difference. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. So it was a tough choice though, too, because it's so easy to then, you know, if it didn't work out and then be like, oh my God, I didn't take a contract because of this guy, like, you know yeah no I I completely understand it was it was a hard thing of my career was always like that's what I'm gonna do I'm I'm so focused on it no nothing's gonna stop me no one's gonna stop me and then I met James and I was like oh yeah but the great thing was was that he never made me feel like I had to choose that it was something that he was like you can do both let's figure out a way that we can be together, but also you have your dance career. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, such a, an amazing thing for me. Yeah. Um, that I didn't feel pressured to have to choose him over my career. Right. Yeah. Well, Isaac, my partner, he almost was like, you will not choose me oh. over your. <laughs> but at the same time, he just wanted to make sure that it was like 100% my choice right. to move overseas. You know, yes. it has to be. It has to be. And, you know, we took a very long time to sort things out. So I was like, you know, there are things on land that I want to give a go. So I might as well do that now. So during that period, I like flew up to New York. I I auditioned for the Rockettes or whatever. Didn't get it, obviously. (laughs) Um, You know, just like was going everywhere and just trying to audition for whatever. Sure, yeah. And at that point, I flew out to Vegas. And that's when I got Vegas the show. Woohoo! And that was insane for me, too, because kind of part of my unique dance journey as well, I guess, is that like, I have never booked anything on the first try. Really? Ever. Oh, you've had to like go back to multiple auditions. I've had to, like, I think Royal was pretty good. I think I only auditioned twice. Mm -hmm. And it's possible that I booked it on the first one. And I just like, because I like got the contract like three days after the mm, you needed audition. the second one to kind of push so them. maybe exactly <laughs> but it's like I still auditioned twice but like yeah. most other things like even within Universal it was hard for me to get well of course I had a contract and they kind of needed me at my stage or whatever but anyway that was the very first time that I booked something on the first the first time people seeing me yeah that's amazing so that was cool but unexpected and 
it was the same after listening to Lindsay's podcast last week and she was like, yeah, it's kind of a whirlwind thing. It's really quick. Like you audition and then, and that's how it was for me. Like I flew out, I auditioned, I was going to fly back, like thinking that I didn't get it, but then I got asked to do a call back. I had to change my flights and everything. I went to the theater, like he kind of offered it to me that day, but then called me the next day and like officially offered it to me. And then right. he's like, can you be here in eight days? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I live in Florida. So I like flew home, packed everything up. Thankfully, my mom, she works in the family business and she came with me Aww. and I like bought her a plane ticket to fly back, just drove my car out there in like four days and it was crazy. But that's just what you do as a dancer, right? And that's kind yeah. of the fun part too. But it was pretty hectic. I'm sure. It was so good that I got that opportunity for Isaac and my relationship. Because then I could really be sure that like mm. I had nothing else to prove in my dance career. Like it was sort of this thing where it was like I could never be like, oh, I moved to Australia and I never got to try these things. And it's like, no, I pretty much tried everything. I did what again, I wasn't planning on being a professional dancer. Right. So the stuff that I've done is pretty epic coming from that perspective, (laughs) like wasn't really expecting any of it. So it's amazing what performers get to do, what dancers get to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of covers it. (laughs) Wraps it up. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I just love it. I love hearing so many different unique dance journeys. They're all so different and all so Mm. beautiful in their own respects. So thank you for sharing that. So I want to talk about final performances. And for me, I'm struggling because I think my final performance was of a show called um, Sizzle Las Vegas, which was like a touring show that I did in Florida. I was also the choreographer for it. I feel bad, but I don't like vividly remember it because I think at that point, I was already starting to transition and my head was in like a just a different space. Mm. But what about the last performance that you've had professionally? Was that with Vegas, the show? Yeah. Did you know that was it? Or did you look back on that in hindsight? I mean, it's kind of weird to say, but it was a little bit of both. I ended my contract in Vegas early. It was meant to be in, I think, an eight-month contract, and I only did three months Mm. because that was when Isaac's contract was ending, and it just like felt like the right time. As much as Vegas, the show itself, was great, that cast over there is great. I didn't love living in Vegas. Okay. Granted, I had some weird issues like with my living situation and like the person I was living with, it was just like not working out. I didn't really want to sign a lease somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was part-time at the show, so it was still kind of like, I don't know, like it was just it wasn't feeling right and I think okay. that you kind of have to trust that when that's not yes. feeling right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I was burnt out as well. Like Mm. I was just really questioning a lot of things. And I'm like, I kind of just need some space to figure stuff out just from the dance world because like there's a ton of work in Vegas and there's a lot to do. But I felt like when I was there, I felt like I was just trying to like continue to climb this ladder. And at that point, I was really trying to expand my life. So I think about, I think a good analogy that I'm totally ripping off of someone else, not me, but I can't remember who I'm ripping this off from. But (laughs) 
instead of thinking of your life as like climbing this ladder of like, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next show? What's the next thing to add to my resume? Thinking about your life as a garden, (laughs) you know, you are planting seeds that are more expansive versus vertically tall Mm. because I just felt like, because I I had this vision in my head that, okay, doing a theme park and then I I go to the next level to do a a cruise ship and then, okay, the next level is Vegas. And then maybe what's, what's next? You know, do I have to go Mm -hmm. to Broadway to make myself happy? It's like, okay, where does this end? Yeah. So I started thinking more broadly. Mm. Um, And so when it came to my final performance, I was burnt out. And I was just kind of at a low point just because I wasn't really enjoying Vegas. I wasn't really, I was in this long distance relationship that was like struggling to figure out like, are we going to actually do this? Like, this is kind of crazy. Like, are we Mm -hmm. doing this? At least for me, like more so for me, it's like, (laughs) am I moving to Australia? So it was kind of hectic and I kind of needed to take some time away. But I do, I do remember it. Um, I'm really glad it was. Vegas the show too I think it's such a it's such a nice fun show to kind of end on like it it was a high you know Mm -hmm. what I mean definitely I was Vegas showgirl like that's amazing to say like to tell my grandkids that that happened was is just gonna be so cool yeah and like I said the cast is absolutely amazing like for everybody that leaves the show they give you um everybody signs a Dr. Seuss all the places you'll go so it's all the places you'll go after Vegas the show and they all like wrote things in it and like it was so special it makes me emotional just thinking about it because (laughs) like they really didn't know me that well but they were so like I wasn't there for that long but just so supportive and like the dance captain there and her husband, like they, they literally took me under their wing when I was struggling, but just because my housing wasn't working out, I lived right. with them for the last month and like, they were just, just amazing human beings. They did really make it special for me. And I almost like, didn't even do a last performance. Cause I was like, I just have, I just have to go. Like I, you know, like, cause I was only part-time too. I think my, I had to wait like a week to do a show. And I was like, you know what? I just should go. Like it was just not a good time <laughs> yeah um, yeah no that's fair but you know Jen the dance captain was really like we really want you to do a last show like just you'll you'll be grateful that you did right. and it was really special too I almost forgot this but my dance teachers were in town Aww. for Tremaine dance yes. convention so mm-hmm. Tremaine was a big part of my training as well I did like their performance company team mm-hmm. thing and one of my good friends, Tiffany, teaches for them now. So they were all in town for their summer nationals or whatever it is. And so they actually got to see my very last show. And they they don't really get to watch me perform because I was either on ships or, you know, at an expensive theme park, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so that was pretty special. They got to see that last performance. But yeah, then afterward, they like the whole cast gave me this gift and I was like oh my god yeah so and especially just because that was such kind of like a hard time of like just the internal struggles of like what am I gonna do <laughs> like I have to make these right. decisions um they were really amazing and so that's really special that's the main thing that I remember from it but I think as far as the actual dancing like I didn't feel I didn't feel like I didn't cry Mm. on stage. I cried afterwards when they were so nice. Yeah, it's the people. (laughs) It's the people, exactly. And so 
I didn't really think it was going to be my my very last time, but I was definitely ready. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like it. Well, as I mentioned, you know, stepping away from your performance career can be quite an emotional experience. You know, if you're burnt out or just maybe your body's just not doing what it used to. Um, I've retired from professional dancing, performing, but because I've dedicated my life to this industry, I feel like I kind of owe it something. And I think that's part of why I started at Answers Guide was to try to give back to the community that's given me so much. And, you know, like I said, my transition kind of happened naturally, where in my dance career, I was always delving into teaching and choreographing and I was also a show director and so I already had those things in my wheelhouse to then pivot from my dance career to another part of the industry and beyond. So can you tell me a little bit about your transition from your performance career to then going into your freelance writing career? Yeah, so I think it sounds quicker than it it was. Mm. Like I said, I have a degree in advertising and PR. So that's, you know, I had experience with communications. I had done internships when I was in college and marketing and and these kinds of things. And so I, I had that in my back pocket always. And again, like I wasn't it wasn't this master plan that I had that it's like, oh, I need to have this plan B. It's just I wasn't even thinking in those terms. I wasn't even thinking of doing the dancing thing as a real thing that I could do. So I did have that in, in at least some small way. I was confident in understanding that world a little bit and where to start. Gotcha. So I actually, I started a blog in 2016 on my first cruise contract. I had always wanted to start a blog. And so when I got Royal, I was like, oh, now I have something to talk about. And especially because when I, I just was, I felt like I was so in the dark starting going on a ship. I was like, what do I pack? Like, what's it going to be like? And Mm -hmm. I felt like there was no information. So I was like, that's what I'll write about when I get there. Yeah. And so I was writing, you know, things like where to eat in Aruba and like these kind of fun things. But I was just really, and really it was just like my mom reading it probably, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, it's really just for my family and friends. It's like, I, I wasn't marketing it. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to make it this big thing, but I enjoyed it and it was fun and it was like something to do in my spare time. And at the end of my second cruise contract, when I started thinking about like, okay, what am I going to do next? Like, I don't have a contract yet. I actually reached out to Dance Spirit Magazine and I literally just emailed the editor and was like, hey, here's my blog. If you want to check it out, like here are some things that I, you know, would want to write about. Like I have some friends doing some cool things like as you do you know, everybody has friends that are doing cool things. So it's like, I can write about them, I can interview them. And she was for it. And I was so shocked, because I just thought it was a shot in the dark. And that's why I did it. But I'm so glad I did. She said yes. And that was another that like, so the confidence just kept kind of layering on. And that's when I got a profile on Upwork, which is like a freelancer platform. And that's when I started kind of building an actual freelance business. And like, I would do that in Vegas during the day and then go to the show at night. And that was a really nice um, setup because I wasn't worried about money because I had a job Mm -hmm. and then, but I could build my portfolio in that way and just kind of figure it out without being so, you know, drowning. Yeah. 
Um, so you kind of just have to start somewhere, but it, it kind of does seem like I left Vegas and then I started this whole new career and it, it's really not like that. Um, it's still a slow moving process. Like I still feel like such a small fish. Yeah. But, but you put yourself in the position to be able to transition like that. If things kind of did, you know, like you said, you kind of stumbled across the dance beer magazine thing, but you really took hold of your own future writing that blog and then using it to then get something else and advance yourself and advance your career. So that's a great testament to you. Um, Transitioning away from performing, I guess, what were some of the things that you found most difficult about leaving the dance world and and entering a different industry? To be honest, it's still hard. Yeah. Like the main thing is the identity thing is knowing who you are without dance. I think that is the, it's just the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so many of us can relate to it because we start like before we start school, we start dance. So when you think about it, like even I was talking to my aunt who's a nurse and she was like, oh, Mm -hmm. nurses go through the same kind of identity thing. It's like, but they probably started nursing like maybe in college. Yeah. When you think about that, it's like, okay, it's, it's happening before your brain's fully developed. It's like, it makes sense. Right. Two, three years old, you're in some sort of movement or, you know, mommy and me class. Yes. Um, And there's so much to it. And so it makes sense. So I think once I kind of accepted that and it's like I can kind of calm down about it and then the second thing is that you're never not a dancer right so and it's so true like like it was hard when my relationship to dance started to change because I and I think social media was tough too (laughs) but that's a whole other topic um just because you know, you're still, you're seeing your friends who are still on ships or who are still in Vegas and they're in these beautiful costumes and you're like, oh, that used to be me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like in my house in sweatpants. And like, this client is a huge pain. And like, as soon as things started to go wrong with my writing, I was like, oh, I should be dancing. And so that was really hard. It just takes one step back to be like, okay, but remember when you were like sad and alone in your cabin or like when you know, your feet were broken or you got passed over for a contract for the company you work for already, you know, all right, these things. Right. And it's like, okay, I, the reason why I transitioned was because I needed a different lifestyle. Like the lifestyle was just not. Not working for you. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't exactly. Yeah. I, I completely agree that sometimes it, it's just time. It's time to move on, but equally amazing that you were able to recognize that you had to remind yourself that I chose this for a reason, and this is why, and this is the path that I'm going to continue down. Um, I think that's an important thing. Yeah, and just having patience, too, because when I think about it, so it's like, as far as full-time writing, Mm -hmm. it's only been two years. Okay. And when you think about that, it's like, Two years into my dance career, I I was Cookie Monster. Right. <laughs> it's just, it takes time and like, you have to be patient and you have to actually give it a real go. You can't just go back and forth Yeah. if you want anything to actually come from it. And right. when you, even when you think about your dance training, it's like, it didn't happen in two years. No, like, absolutely not. No. So it's like, you really have to think, think in long term and like, 
life doesn't end at 25. Like there's plenty more to life. And that's a big thing. Like, again, with my garden analogy, where it's like, you know, there's plenty of other amazing parts of life. Yeah. Aside from dance, like dance is still a huge part of my life. And I'm like you, where it's like, I want to give back to the dance community. And I still am so passionate about dancers. And I would never say to dancers, like, don't like definitely go for it. Like, please go for it. Because it was the best decision I ever made. But it's okay if it stops feeling good at some point. Right. And you do have options. Right. You don't have to feel guilty. Exactly. Oh, that's the biggest thing too. Yeah. Like there is this weird stigma about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stopping. And it's like, you know, that's why I started Pivot because it's like, maybe we could just have these conversations that aren't like, live your dreams or else you failed or something like right yeah you were saying about social media like it's really hard and you compare yourself to people who maybe are a bit younger than you and they're still performing and you miss it you do you reminisce and you're like oh I really miss being on stage I miss putting on all that makeup (laughs) and all the wigs and the costumes and I miss it. I definitely miss it. And I, that's why I have all the videos. Yeah. And I go back and I watch and I cry and I have a good time. Yeah, just, just thinking about before this podcast, thinking about what I'm wanting to talk about, I like just went back through my videos. Yeah. And just before I was watching, uh, if anyone's done Adventure of the Seas, Can't Stop the Rock, like that's what mm. I was watching. And it's just such a it's a great show. Like, it's a really hard show for the dancers, actually, but it's quite old school now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just cracks me up. But there's just so many, so many memories about like, oh, remember when I fell down those stairs? Or like, oh, remember gosh. when, you know, it's just, it's so nice to remember. I, <laughs> one of the funniest things I remember on my Carnival Cruise Ship contract, it was, we had like an 80s style show, um, all 80s music. And in the finale, we had these skirts, like kind of um, just below your knee, sort of, but they're really stretchy. And I had done this like lift and my heel got caught in my (laughs) skirt and ripped it off. (laughs) Yeah. And so my partner was so amazing. Um, He like shuffled me like with me off stage because I was just like, I had briefs on and I was just like completely exposed to the audience and he like shuffled me off stage so that I could put my skirt back on. Yeah. It's crazy what happens. Yeah. And there's so much like to watching a show. So it is, and you do miss it, but you do have to remind yourself like life's still good and like, you know, I, it's all good. It really is. And I'm so grateful I would not change a thing. I'm glad to be at this point. Yes. Like I do feel calmer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, this isn't to say that your performance at the Vegas show had to be your final performance. Oh, exactly. You know, never say never. Yeah, who knows? You might dance again. Yeah. Who knows? I mean. I might be an old lady dancing somewhere. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, I think there's a market for it. I'm just saying like <laughs> dancers over 50 who can like actually do some cool stuff. Like let's put on a show. Like, yes. I, you know, if somebody came up to me and it's like, oh, let's do, I don't know, something, just something that's fun. Like, oh, let's put on a dinner show. Is what, I don't know thinking of or like just some kind of cabaret where it's like Mm -hmm. just about something fun and about something different um yeah I would never say no to that so it's like and I'm still taking classes like we were supposed to be going to the states and like going to New York and I was like sick I'm gonna go to BDC I'm gonna go to steps but to be honest I was a little bit nervous because just stepping back into that world is 
pretty intense. It's intense even when you're at the top of your game. Mm. So I'm like, haven't danced properly in two years. Could be pretty, it could be a weird situation, but. I don't know about you, but I've had like dreams where I somehow forget how to dance or like bomb an audition or like get on stage and can't remember any of the choreography and comes up more so, I guess, the farther away from my dance career that Mm. I get. And it's really like, it's upsetting. I wake up and I'm like, but I can pick up choreography and I've never forgotten (laughs) something on stage. And I'm like, why is my brain doing this? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I've had those dreams, but I don't, I haven't noticed like a connection between the Mm. length of time. But even awake, I was having those fears of like, what if I, like, because picking up choreography is a skill that you have to practice and stuff. And so, yeah, it is. but it, it really wasn't like, once you get into it, it really wasn't so bad, but I was grateful that like BDC was doing the remote classes because yes, then I could yeah. just be in my living room, <laughs> just like living my best life, but it just didn't matter. Right. And I was like emotional the first time, like my first class back. Well, it was with, uh, Nicholas Palmquist. you probably have heard of him yes yeah yeah love him and (laughs) like I've been wanting to take his class and I think that like that I've been anticipating it on top of it was such a different experience than I'd had in such a long time with dance like Mm -hmm. it felt like my relationship to it just changed for the better like it felt like being 12 again and doing it not to impress anybody not because the choreographer for that show is like in the next room or like not because that girl is on Broadway and this girl's on this and and it's like none of that well first of all it's in my living room but even when I go take classes now it's like oh it's just because I, I genuinely like this and it's it's a little bit sad that I let that go when I was professional no 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 you know what I mean well that I it's not sad it's totally I completely understand. And this was something I spoke about in one of my previous episodes. I think it was episode three with Anna Therese Stone about mental health and dance. And Mm. we were talking about when you become a professional, it becomes your job and you you hustle to get it, to get these jobs and you audition and you take class to train and get better. But there comes a point where it's like you fall out of love with why why you love to dance almost yeah it becomes this like chore yeah um and and then like you said you were taking classes and stuff yeah same I still take classes and it was for me then yes I fell back in love with why I love to dance yeah and I think it made me feel even more connected to something I've done my entire life in a different way than just making it my job and making money from it. I think that's where it came in. It was like, this is this is trying to pay yeah. my bills. And that gives you a lot of pressure. Yeah. But if I'm just going to class and having fun for myself, it's so therapeutic for myself now. I'll be like, being physical is just, yeah. especially during this whole lockdown, is like getting up, doing something with my body. Oh, yeah. Of, helps my mind so much. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Hey listeners, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I just want to take a moment and encourage you to head over to our social media pages and hit that follow button. You can find us on Facebook simply by searching A Dancer's Guide, as well as on Instagram at A Dancer's Guide Official. We always post about upcoming podcasts and exciting new projects in the works, so go ahead and check them out. We truly appreciate your support. Now back to where we left off. 
Well, moving on a little bit, um, I've had discussions with other dancers about transitioning away from performing, and something I often hear is their worry that another career path won't be as fulfilling as a dance career. What would you say to people that worry about finding fulfillment within a different career path? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a valid worry, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't say that something else will fulfill you in the same way. Right. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. It kind of goes back to that messaging of do what you love and, like, follow your dreams and stuff. Like, while I think those are – there's good intentions, I think it can get kind of convoluted when – you take that to the extreme, mm-hmm. just like with anything. But I don't know. I would try to say be open to the possibility of fulfillment in something else, but also question why you need to be as fulfilled in your next job. Like, I think we're the lucky ones. <laughs> like, the more I reflect on it, I'm like, oh man, like, as much as there's things in the industry that are tough and that you know, blah, blah, blah. It's hard. It is. It's really, it's a really hard career path. But at the same time, like, I think we're the lucky ones, especially dancers of all entertainers, because we know that this career path is short. It makes it more special. Mm. The more I think about it, like the more I resonate with it, because if you think about it on a grand scale, like life is special because it ends. That's the reason that there's that things are meaningful is because you know one day you're not going to be here anymore and that's why you do everything that you do. So on a smaller scale with dance like you know you can't do it until you're 60, so you have to enjoy it now. Yeah. And that is really fulfilling, so I think kind of enjoy it while it lasts, keep it in your life as much as you can. It can still be fulfilling, but maybe it's just not your job. Maybe your job isn't as fulfilling, but maybe it could be like be open to it. You never know. Yeah. I mean, I'd say like try to get as close to that fulfillment that dance gave you as possible. It might not happen. It might. You might find something that you absolutely love more than dance. It might. Exactly. You know, anything can happen. Don't be scared to try something else because you're worried you won't be fulfilled. Yes. Yeah. I think coming at it from... Like it's based in fear, right? Mm-hmm. So if you come at things from fear, it's generally not, you're not open then. Um, so I think, yeah, just be open, open to the possibility that something else. And the thing with Pivot is that um, I, I'm actually reading a book called Pivot and she makes a really good analogy about, well, cause I named it after the dance step Pivot. It's like the first step that everybody learns. Is how of to course. Pivot. Yes. And she makes the analogy with basketball players, but I'm going to use it with dancers. Cause obviously <laughs> when you pivot, your feet are grounded, right? You're just looking around. You're just, you're pivoting, but you're, you're grounded in who mm-hmm. you are and you're always going to be a dancer. Use that. That's special. And like, you'll figure it out. Like dancers are smart. Hello, like, I only get along with dancers pretty much. (laughs) Like, you know, I have, like, a handful of other friends that aren't dancers. But for the most part, I immediately get along with dancers. Like, like you learn so many skills as a dancer. So it's like, you'll figure it out. You have other skills. Just be open to it. And you can stay rooted in who you are. You're not losing anything. I love that. You're only gaining. 
Yeah. You know, so I really love that analogy of like, if you think of an actual pivot, your feet don't leave the ground. Right. You're just open. And I'm like, oh, gives me goosebumps. I'm like, that's yes. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> love that analogy. <laughs> well, on the topic of pivot, can you just tell me a little bit more about your platform um, and why you decided to create pivot? Yeah. So, I've been thinking about it for a while just yeah. because I was just going through it. Like, let me tell you, like if anybody, if any dancer is like freaking out, especially with COVID, like I really feel for dancers right now. It's just like no one could have predicted this. So um, no, no, it's just crazy. But um, I was just going through it and I felt like nobody was having the conversation. It was always just live your dreams. Kind of a, right. It was in like a get it. And I do think dancer, young dancers, you know, if you're in high school, a hundred percent go for it. Like I would always encourage young dancers to go for it. But for the dancers like me who are like approaching 30 and like in a long-term relationship and like want to maybe have a family, like, you know, kind of have to bring it back down. So because I was struggling and didn't find anything, I was like, well, I can make something. Mm -hmm. And so what Pivot is, is it's a website that tries to consolidate all of the information out there. So I try not to like give any unsolicited advice. <laughs> I just try to share. So it's like it's got resources on there from, you know, funding to mental health to professional associations for networking and stuff. Like I try to just make it you know, these are places you can get certified for to be a fitness instructor, like trying to build resources that way. They're actually tangible. Mm -hmm. They're not mine. Like I didn't, you know, <laughs> I'm not an expert to, you know, I'm not a career counselor, but it's like here, if you're interested, like here's all the things. Right. And then um, there's an inspiration section and that's where I like to share stories. So you did a Q and A with us. I and, did. Yeah. And so I just kind of bring in dancers who have interesting transition stories and just a, a little interview that's like look you're not alone and like maybe give you some ideas of oh that sounds interesting like oh I do I listen to podcasts every day so like maybe I'd want to be a podcaster like that seems up my alley or like oh I love yoga so maybe I should be a yoga instructor so like just kind of getting the juices flowing yeah and then yeah I also do pivot panels where it's kind of it's like a multi-person podcast where I just I'm just trying to start the conversation really with yes. Pivot just trying to get people talking about it and not be afraid or shamed to say yeah dance wasn't feeling good anymore so I made a change yeah amazing amazing I mean I love the description of what the platform is um, something that you had sent me when we were putting this podcast together. Um, it was so well said, and I'm, I'm sure it rings true for a lot of dancers. You mentioned a shift in priorities. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened in my case personally. You know, I got to a point in my life where somehow things had become more important than just trying to like hustle and muscle my way through a dance career. And I think that's important to note because it wasn't because I didn't love dance anymore. No. It was just that... I had evolved into a different stage in my life. And it's amazing that you've created Pivot to help dancers navigate that shift. I think it's amazing. Um, what are some of the reasons you found through your interviews as to why people have pivoted away from performing? 
other than obviously our stories that we've told. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. Like, again, everyone's journey is unique. And there are a few things that I guess kind of come up again and again. A lot of times it is that, you know, they met someone mm. like, or they want to start a family. Like, that's what I've been hearing a lot. And I think for women, it's again, it's, you know, there is a time limit for if you want to give birth to children, you know what I mean? It, it's gonna, there's an expiration date on that, unfortunately. Um, for some people, it's money. For some people, for some people, though, it's injuries or they get sick, you know. Um, we've all had friends who get so, so injured or, you know, I had a friend who got really, really sick on one of our contracts and, like, can't dance anymore. It's like, it's heartbreaking. And yeah, it definitely happens. It does. And some like those are pretty extreme cases when it just totally knocks you out. But a lot of times it is a lot more subtle. And it is a lot more about the shifts in priorities or like, just trying to take care of your mental health and just not feeling good in the lifestyle that it requires, because it does require a lot of travel, it requires a lot of just a lot of ups and downs. Um, and so I think overall, it is a more subtle where people just want more stability. Yeah. But I guess it is different for everyone. I think for me with Pivot 2 is that I want to give people the opportunity as much as possible to make it their choice, because mm -hmm. I think that's always going to make it better or smoother, potentially. Right. It's still going to be hard. But if it's your choice, and you weren't you know, aged out of a contract, or you weren't just like, felt like you got pushed out, because that just leads to resentment and feeling bitter about dance. And like, if I can give any advice, it's like, try to protect your relationship with dance as much as possible. And if that means making the choice to step away so that you can come back to it, like we have with a newfound relationship to dance, I think that that seems like what I'm trying to um, get across with Pivot is that it's okay and we're here for you and yeah you know it's okay if you choose if you choose this and you're still a dancer it's all good go take class you'll feel better <laughs> yeah absolutely I love it well what are some tools and kind of resources that would be useful for dancers when they find themselves pivoting away from performing um I think yeah the most valuable is working on you mm. like you have to work on your mental health you have to work on knowing who you are what interests you like it takes a lot of introspection so I think that would be the very first resource like if you can afford it get therapy love therapy it is a loss right you're gonna you're gonna grieve Wow, yeah. Probably for a while, you know. It, it's yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, someone, someone that I interviewed um, said that, and that was her recommendation is um, one of the resources she thinks that pivoting dancers should look into is is therapy for that reason because you're going to grieve. Like, and we, it is a lost love in some ways because you'd been kind of chasing this thing for such a long time, but there are so many as human beings, like we are so fallible. So even you mentioned earlier about you feel like there's the sunk cost fallacy where you put so much into something that you feel like you can't get away from it. And like just therapy helps with so like seeing so many of those 
fallacy like it's it's human nature it's it's all good but it's just one of those things it's a massive shift Mm. um so I would say like take care of yourself like all of the mental health stuff is going to be really important but as far as like actual tangible things um there are some good like every country has some kind of organization nonprofit that does offer grants to dancers. I know in the states it's career transitions for dancers as part of the Actors Fund. Yeah, and I've put them all on the Pivot website as much as I could find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll put all the links in the show notes below, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just try to I read lots of books. I um right now I'm reading Pivot. It's by Jenny Blake, I believe her name is. Mindset is another great book mm-hmm. by Carol Dweck, I believe. Um, just like try not to go too far into the self-help world because it can get a little nuts. But I just think, yeah, working on yourself is going to be your best bet and really understanding your personality. Like take some personality quizzes and try to because, you know, for me, I'm quite an introvert. So mm. it was kind of it was hard in the dance industry at times when I wanted to be on my own and the the industry doesn't really glorify that. And that's fine. But, and that's why I work well at home, but you might not at all. Like if you're a huge extrovert, like you're going to need to be around other people. So it's like knowing these things about yourself is going to help you figure out what to do next. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about building a resume that's not your dance resume. I found that incredibly difficult. Obviously, with the dance resume, you've got the three columns and, you know, where you've worked, yeah. what role you did in it, and like where or what production company you worked for. And it's pretty straightforward. But an actual like, you know, real normal life, I don't know, resume, you know, you got to like explain a lot of things. And like, you feel like you've stepped into a world that you almost don't really belong. Yeah. I struggle with the wording of job descriptions. They just make it sound, I don't know, intimidating. Yes. I no, I totally feel that. Like, I, it's still a struggle for me, to be honest. Um, the way I don't really use a resume to get work. I think mm. if you can build a portfolio of work and try to like let that speak for itself a little bit more, it depends, obviously. No, that's great advice. That's kind of what I do. Like I'll do more of the cover letter thing because then I can explain I was a dancer because it takes a bit of ex- explanation that a resume can't really get across in the way that I, right. I'm sure it can. Like I'm, all ears for somebody who's been able to do it successfully but it's so difficult like it's yeah you have things obviously you've done outside of your dance career in terms of you know other jobs but trying to explain the skills and knowledge and experiences that you've had in your dance career on a sheet of paper is like quite impossible I've found yeah like you said I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong yeah it's difficult it's like I was never a dance captain yet I've had dance captains on every contract and I've seen what they've done and I've taken what I've liked that they've done and I've taken away what I don't like and I feel like that in itself even though I've never been like a technical leader in a role I guess 
like I know that I have those skills because I've watched and I've yeah. been there. But it's like, how do you, unless you get to that interview, yeah. you don't really get to say that. Yeah. So that, I find that to be a quite difficult thing and frustrating for me. I'm yeah. just like, I can do all these things. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly haven't figured out that piece of the pie in any way. But yeah. what I do, um, so it's like you have a LinkedIn or something and you tell your story there. And mm-hmm. if you apply for a job, generally, if it's like too stuffy, you probably don't want it anyway. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I think in that way too, it's like, do I even want this job? And so I really like what I've been doing freelance wise and with COVID, especially so many things are going freelance. And so then I work with the clients on a one-on-one basis and I just send them my writing portfolio. So just some of the things that I have published or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I just do a brief explanation. Like, yeah, as a former dancer, I did this or like, I like to write about health and fitness because I was a former dancer. And that's kind of all I say about it. But generally they're interested. Right. And you can find just be yourself and you'll be able to find pockets that you fit in. I guarantee that you'll actually be suited for. It's like it's like in the dance world it's like you might be annoyed that you didn't book this job again even though you really want it, but like maybe you're not really right for it. And you just don't know that you're way better for this other show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I know it's hard when you're like looking for a job to think oh, in that way, but it's part of your unique dance journey. It is. It really is. And you will find like, you'll figure it out. Like Absolutely. I said, I always say I'm like, dancers are smart. You have so many skills. And it's giving yourselves credit for that. Exactly. And not selling yourself short. It's like, yes, you no, know, being being a dancer is a perk of my resume. So I'm not gonna like, take it off or like apologize for that. It's like, um, no, I did like a mid show reblock where I jumped into a different track, you know, or I, I've done 50 auditions this year. Like when's the last time you stood in front of somebody and just like gave your heart to the people like yeah. that's so hard. So I mean, the amount of flexibility and we have to be so adaptable. Oh my gosh. I agree that it is it is tough before you like because it's easy to say that in the interview process mm. and people do respect it but it is hard on a piece of paper so I just try to yeah have portfolios available online and like right. go here and you'll kind of understand a little bit more yeah no that's a great that's a great way to approach it well would you have any other words of encouragement that you would love to give someone who is struggling to either decide to transition away from performing or you know currently finding themselves in a difficult transition period well i think it's tricky because with the state of the world it feels like every dancer is going through it and i would just say take your time like i think it's so undervalued in this weird way like it's going to take time. So take your time. But also with that being said, it's like, do do stuff as well. (laughs) Like just because it's not making money right now, potentially doesn't mean it's not going to turn into something and that you're not going to learn something from it. So again, just be open, um, open to the possibility of something working out. That's not dance as your job. And then just maybe, challenge these thoughts of why you only value dance if you are a professional (laughs) maybe maybe it could go back to being a hobby and it's it's all good yeah yeah one of um 
my friends, Matt Marbury, he posts about not being afraid to, especially during COVID-19, not being afraid to take a job that pays your bills right now. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, don't be ashamed that you maybe have to go take a, a restaurant job or or something that's not dance related, you know, to make sure that you're able to feed yourself and be okay in this time. Yeah. So, And I think that goes for anyone that's, you know, transitioning that maybe just needs a job to kind of keep them on the straight and narrow, yeah. um, keep them, you know, keep the lights on. Um, and then yeah. trying to then also finding, you know, something else that you may be like dabbling and experimenting in different career paths. Yes. So, and then equally also not being afraid to reach out to people, go to websites like yours for resources, go to pivot yes. and take advantage of what you're offering people because it's something that you've been through. You're telling stories of people who have transitioned themselves and why not get a leg up? Yeah. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. There's resources out there. So go take advantage of it. Yeah. Like basically overall, it's like you are not alone. It's all okay. Like whatever path that you are going on, like you are not alone. So many of us have been through it and are still going through it. And it's not this easy thing, but yeah, you'll be okay. Like it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Amazing. Well, can you share some of your plans for the future with us? Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to continue with pivot. Like it really fills my cup so much like, and it could change again, like things always change, but I feel like I found a nice little connect between you know, my writing and, and with dancers, like I'm talking to dancers and that's what I like. Like, I just want to hang out with yeah. dancers. kind of. <laughs> so it's, it's been this really nice thing. It's like, I feel like I can help people. I feel like I can connect. Like I love having these conversations with dancers. It's the best and building my network in that way. So I really, I just really want to build that and like make it as good as I can. And as far as other future plans, I actually try to not plan too far in the future. Um, I think it could be really redundant. I mean, I think 2020 is a good... That's true. <laughs> um, yep. You know, it's a good lesson to learn that you kind of aren't ever in control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to instead, I try to just like make, if I have to make a big decision or I have to like go down a path, try to make it align with my values as much as possible. So I'm really happy right now with like my level of freedom with my work, with my lifestyle. Brisbane's amazing for that because I can just like walk everywhere, you know, and just like kind of keep on that trajectory of, it's not even that I'm like my own boss or whatever, because that's kind of hard too. But um, it's just that I have the flexibility to like do yoga when I feel like it and then do go on a walk if I feel like. And so that, that freedom, that independence making decisions that continue me toward that path is what I hope for the future. <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, I'm so glad we've been able to connect because I think we've both created platforms that aim to help dancers. And, yeah. you know, we've been there and now all we want to do is just share what we know with those that want to learn more. So it's been so wonderful to have you on the A Dancer's Guide podcast. Uh, would you mind just sharing some of your details so listeners can follow everything that you're up to? Yeah, definitely check out Pivot's website. It's pivotfordancers.com. We're also on all the social medias. On Instagram, it's pivot underscore for dancers. 
but yeah, if you just go on the website on the contact page, there's everything. There's all the social medias there. Um, definitely email me if you have any, just like to connect. Like I, I get emails from dancers. It's weird. It's like people are emailing me and I'm like, Oh, I'm like not this expert in anything, but I'm just like, Oh, I love chatting to, to other dancers who are going through it. So you can email me at Kaylee at pivotfordancers.com. Um, you can also follow me on social media if you want. I don't post very much, but on Instagram, it's Kaylee underscore Randall. Um, so yeah, I'm around. Yeah. Well, I just thank you so much for sharing all of your stories. It has been an amazing episode. I've really enjoyed speaking to you about all of this. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I was, I was so happy to connect. Wow. What an inspiring episode. For those of you who are thinking about or currently transitioning away from performing, I hope you received a few nuggets of advice to help you successfully navigate this change. And please feel free to reach out to myself or Kaylee for more guidance. We are always excited to connect with other dancers and just know you are not alone in your journey. There are more episodes to come, so make sure you subscribe to this podcast for the latest notifications. And you can also visit our website, adancersguide.com, for more info. Something new to the site is the hashtag Unique Dance Journey tab, featuring our Instagram feed, as well as details regarding a little challenge. I'll be posting about it more in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. Always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.